0: My name's Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope, and uh, it is an honor and a privilege to be leading this amazing church filled with all these great people going after greater things in 2022. How many of you guys are excited about the new year still? Three weeks into it, you still excited? Still joyfully anticipating something good? Come on, we are here on a mission to see God do greater things in our lives. We serve a God of greatness. The Bible says, if you have accepted Jesus into your heart and into your life, that the greater one lives inside of you, and greater is he in you than anybody or anything outside of you. He says, if God be for you, if God be in you, who can be against you? What could stand against you? What brokenness, what past, what shame, what guilt could stop you from becoming and being all that he created you to be? And he says, I didn't come to steal your life. I didn't come to ruin your life. I came to give you life and life forevermore, life to the fullest. Anybody believe that about your Savior? Come on, we're excited about it this morning. My voice is bouncing back, so just bear with me. If I sound like really emotional, I might be, but I also just might be a little bit coming back from the the voice leaving thing. All right, so um, I'm excited you're here this morning. We've been talking about greatness, yes? The stars in the sky, they point to greatness, and there's nothing more important in your life on the path to greatness. Anybody on the path to greatness in 22? There's nothing more important on your life, on the path to greatness, than the people in your life. The people in your life are so important on your path to greatness. And that makes finding the right people and being the right people for others to do life with so essential. It's all about the people you do life with. And one of the things that sometimes I think we forget is one of the best ways to identify where you're going is who you're going with. Where your life is headed is who your life is with. We act as if the future is magical, sometimes mystic- mysterious, some- mystical some ways, and sometimes we're almost fatalistic, like the future is just the result of fate. It's destiny. It's the way it's going to be. And I find out that sometimes really intelligent and thoughtful people of deep and sincere faith still have superstitious relationship with the future it's like it's just gonna be what it is and while you may not know everything about your future and certainly no one can predict the future I can still tell you there are so many ways of knowing where you're going and what your future is going to look like because nothing will impact your future than these two things the choices that you make and the people you choose to make them with the choices that you make and the people you choose Those are the two things that are going to predict your future more than anything else in your life. The choices you make, even Shakespeare says that, you know what I'm saying? The choices you make and the people you choose. And if you just take this with you, it'll change everything about your life. If you just came to church and you took those two thoughts today, the choices I make and the people I choose, those things would revolutionize your life. It'll change everything about your life. And I find that oftentimes we're almost confused about how we got to where we are. Have you ever been there? How did I get here? What in the world did I do to be in this relationship and this spot and this reality in my life? And a lot of us are kind of confused about how we got to where we are. We don't know how our life became to become the life that we have. And at times we seem almost incapable of just stripping away all the facade and looking at what's real and being honest with ourselves. See, I can tell you that where you are right now is a sum total of the choices you made yesterday. I actually believe that you are living today in five years ago's decisions. And your life really catches up to you about five years from now, the decisions you make today. And the choices that you make right now will be the material for what becomes your future and what your future becomes. But one of the best two ways to figure out if you're going where you hope to be going on a path to greatness is you're becoming the person you hope to become, is if you find a way of gauging the temperature of your soul and seeing if you're gonna create the future you long for. Here it is. The people you look, the people you do life with. You need to look at the people in your life. If you want where you're going to be great, you got to look at the people that are next to you because I can look at the people around you and know more about you than by looking at you yourself. That's why it's so important in life to find your tribe. It's so important because you have a tribe whether you realize it or not. And it's hard to identify your tribe if you're all sinking together. It's hard to realize that birds of a feather flock together if they're all flocking downward together. You know what I'm saying? You think you're just like in a crowd of people who've fallen off a large ship and you're drowning, but you're not. You're not just a large group of people who got an unfortunate set of circumstances and fell off a ship together and drowning. You're not. You're in a boat with someone. I would say, I'm in a boat. And somebody's in that. And we're all rowing in a certain direction. We're all thinking in the same direction. We're all Going together, if you're in a boat rowing a certain direction, you need to make sure the people that you're in a boat with are going the direction that you hope to go. Or else you could like row against them for about six months, seven months, ten months, three years, and there's more of them than there are of you. And you're moving in the wrong direction, even though you keep intentionally pointing your life in another direction because the people you're in the boat with are very powerful to what direction you actually go in. But a lot of times we get ourselves into a situation where all the people in our life do not describe the future that we long for. Maybe you're there this morning. The people in your life do not describe the future that you long for. And I'll talk to so many people who so frustrated with their lives. And they're just done with the life that they've had. And they live, they live, they live in the person they are. And they want so badly to go for greater. But At the same time, when you begin to whittle away the very causes that have led them to where they are right now and the life that they have right now and the choices they have to make to have a different life, to be a different person, to have a different future, it always comes down to the people in their life. In fact, it's amazing. Sometimes they say, I want a new life with the same old people. There's a reason why people come together, where they're drawn to each other. Have you ever noticed that depressed people always find depressed people? Negative people find each other. Dysfunctional people find each other. Optimistic people find each other. Hopeful people find each other. And you have to decide, what kind of future do I want? It's a tough decision. What kind of person do I want to become? And are the people in my life, are they the tribe of people that will carry me forward to the life and the kind of person I want to be? That I value more than what they have. If you want to be a hopeful future, if you want a hopeful future, you're not going to find it by being around dis- despairing and depressed, jaded people. It's just not going to happen. If you want a future that's free from bitterness, you're not going to find it with people spending your life with people who do not forgive. It's just pretty simple. If you want a future filled with adventure and courage, you will not find that future if you spend your life with people who want security and safety. If you want to know what your future looks like, look at the people that you're committed to and who you are committed to being yourself find great people find great life I'll say it like this find great friends because that's how you're going to find a great future so your friends tell you a lot about your future it's really weird in here this morning I don't know how it's translating online is everybody with me today it's so important to realize there are some people in your life that you know your role in your in their life is just to always be pulling them up. Anybody know those kind of people? Like you're just always, you know is to be with them in this season. Sometimes your role in life is to go back, pull them out of the pit continually, pick them back up, bring them along again. Have you ever had people in your life that you know, okay, right now I'm here just to kind to move and pull them forward out of their mess, which is a beautiful thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. But what we got to be careful of, though, is that you... <laughs> That those are not the only people, the only kind of people that you have in your life. Where if you are the only pusher and you're the only puller and nobody in your life ever helps you move in the direction you want to go. Because if everyone in your life needs you to constantly to encourage and affirm them, if everyone in your life does better because you're there, because if everyone in your life is trapped in the past that you don't want, eventually they'll pull you back into the past that you thought you left behind. You have to have enough people in your life whose ropes are attached to you. And they're pulling you forward to the future you're committed to, too. It's a different tribe that actually helps you, too. So there are more people pulling you forward than there are people pulling you backwards. Are you catching what I'm saying? Because everyone that lived a life of significance and had greatness in their life, had great people around them, had great teams around them. Had great people who not only believed in them, but pulled them into greater things. The way we were taught history in school is almost makes it seem like history is all about individuals. You got Napoleon, you got Caesar, you got Alexander the Great, and you got Cleopatra, and you got Genghis Khan, and we learn all these things. It's as if history was shaped by individuals and their unique greatness that shaped humanity's story. That's the way it feels. We act as if there was no Egyptian empire behind Cleopatra that she inherited. We act as if there was no Greek empire behind Alexander the Great that he kind of stepped into. There's no Roman empire behind the Caesars. Napoleon may disagree, but there was a France behind the great Napoleon. Tiny little man was he. I love that new commercial. Did you guys see it? I Watched it last night while I was watching the Bills. I saw Napoleon come up. He's like, all right, I'm going to stand up now. And he's learning how to do all these funny things. It's funny. It's funny. I'm sorry. And like there's no great empire behind Genghis Khan, who took over most of the world in his day. No matter how great a person is, no matter great their accomplishments, no one on this planet has ever accomplished anything meaningful by themselves. And someone in the scriptures that we would equate to like, our Alexander the Great might be a great warrior king like King David. I want to look at King David this morning for a minute because David is that iconic person that just seems to be cut from a different cloth. He's a musician and a warrior. He's an artist and a conqueror. He's a king and he plays the harp, okay? And in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 22, 23, David knew that he was to become king of Israel. He knew his destiny was great to be a king. God had already spoken to him. The oil had poured. He'd already called him out. God had already anointed him to be king, but he was not a king. He was anointed to be king, but he was not a king. See, I think a lot of times we just want God to give us our future. Just give it to me. He said I'm a king. Just give it to me. He might give you a picture of your future. He might give you a glimpse of your future and the greatness that he has for you. But your future does not come in an instant, even when you know you're called. Even when you know you're created for a particular destiny, there's still a process that has to take place. There's still a challenge to becoming who God called you to be. Even though He called you, it doesn't mean there's no challenge or resistance. So, verse 22 says this day after day, and this is a good day after day, not like a oh, day after day. It's like day after day is good. Men came to help David. Is there anybody, do you have any day after day people coming to help? You know what I'm saying? Like, not you're helping. They're coming to help David until he had a great army. It wasn't the army of God, but it was like the army of God. These are the numbers of the men armed, for ba- armed to the teeth. Doesn't that sound good? Armed for battle who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him as the Lord had said. So here we have this transition period where there is a kingdom led by King Saul, and King Saul no longer is living his life in a way that honors God, to fulfill God's purpose and intention in the world. And so God chooses David, a man after his own heart. Now, if you want to play it safe, you would keep your commitments and your life committed to King Saul. He is the king. If you want to play it safe, you commit to King Saul. But if you want to be a part of God's future, you would commit your life to the future that God is saying is coming with David. I think there's this tension that so many of us have to live in. And we live in this tension in life. We have to decide whether our tribe is Saul or our tribe is David. Because they're the same men of Israel. They just got to pick a team. They got to pick a tribe. They got to pick an aligning thing in their life. Whether we're going to hold on to the past or be part of creating the future. In this church, we're committed to being part of the future, not holding on to the past. So you got to pick your tribe. And some people are just so faithful to the past. I'm like, why? Commit yourself to the future and what God's doing together next. Whether we're going to lean into people, we have to think about this. Whether we're going to lean into people who are moving forward with God's calling and intention in life, or we're going to stay with the past. We're going to stay back with those who are resisting what God is trying to do in their city. Resisting what God is trying to do in the world. And it's so important. We find our tribe when we choose our people. That we choose people who are committed to moving forward in the calling that God has on their city. Calling that God has on their life. Because those people are the ones that are going to pull you forward and get you in your calling. And this decision, by these capable and competent, armed to the teeth men, was one to jump into a tribe. I'm going to say jump in and commit. Day after day. Day after day, they left one loyalty, and they jumped in, and they committed to the future. That's point number one today. Jump in and commit. Jump in to a hope group today and commit. Jump into community, find a tribe, and commit. Jump in to a team, an impact team, and commit. Jump in to something and commit to something. We live in a culture that is terrified of commitment. We don't really know how to commit to each other anymore. The lack of commitment in our marriages, in our generation, is just one symptom of a much larger crisis that the whole humanity is in. Where we have a whole culture terrified of committing to anything, much less anyone. And oftentimes, we're more committed to a cause than we are to a community. We're more committed to an idea than we are an individual. And I like this because it says they were committed to David. Not to David's reign, not to David's kingdom, not to David's lordship, because that didn't exist. Not to David's huge thing. They were committed to David, an individual, not an idea. They're committed to a community, not, not a cause, because the cause doesn't let us down, but people will. You see, why are we so driven by causes these days? Because causes don't let you down as much as people do. So many people become so cause-driven, they become so idea-driven, they go from cause to cause to cause, maybe this is you, idea to idea to idea, and from 2019 to 2022, you've had seven different ideas that you've gotten on board with, seven different causes, because in our mind, we tell ourselves, this cause is not a community. This idea is not the same thing as committing to an individual, and it's scary to commit to individuals, it's scary to commit to communities, it's scary to commit to people, but a big plan, thats kind of fun a new idea that's kind of fun a big cause that's kind of fun because that can change in 2023 my cause changed i used to save puppies now i save orphans now i'm into saving and serving at my church but next next month i'll be into you know it's like a it's a cause driven you hear what i'm saying it's not a people it's not a person that can let you down and so we're afraid to commit But what you find is that those people who live great lives, the lives they were created to be, those lives, they maximize their capacity. Those people who never settle for less than greatness, they find their tribe, they find their people, and they do what they jump in and commit. When they do, they just jump in and they commit to them. And I love this. It says, day after day, men, able, competent, really good men came to help David. I don't know why we don't make such a big deal out of that. We should make a bigger deal out of that. Do You know how hard it is for a grown, canned man to commit themselves to another human being? That's a big deal. Imagine these men who were powerful in their own right, who had talent and gifting and intelligence and courage. They could have claimed their own territories, could have started their own kingdoms, they could have had their own futures, but they came day after day to help David become the person that God called him to be, to help David fulfill the purpose that God had called him to accomplish because without these individuals day after day after day, David could have never accomplished what God had called him to do in his greatness. And I want you to know this, no matter how talented you are, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how awesome you are in 2022, you will never accomplish anything great in your calendar alone. You'll never accomplish anything great in your dreams alone. And if you think you did it alone, you are so self diluted I mean, delusional. Because all great accomplishments, true greatness happens because other people decided to help you. They committed their lives to you. So first of all, I want you to realize this. God has people waiting to commit to you. He has people waiting in your future to commit to you. I mean, I find that to be so helpful. Have you ever just felt like, God, I'm so alone. God, help me. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever just felt paralyzed because you're so afraid of the future and how insufficient you are in yourself to handle what's coming next? Want to it change the way that you engage today if you believe that God had people day by day by day by day coming into your life to help you with real life that God was waiting for you to have the courage to step out? That God was waiting for you to have the courage to say, I have a dream for better. Waiting for you to have the courage to become part of a people. To have the courage to believe that. If he calls you, he will also connect you. I said, if he calls you, he will also give you connections. That there are people coming into your day, today, every day, life to help. I mean, wouldn't it just change your whole posture to life? If you believed that God was going to send, and God was going to see something day to day to day to help. See, I'm convinced that's part of, what the church is it's where we commit to each other it's where we bind our hearts and our lives together and where people are committed to helping one another accomplish not just their own dreams but each other's dreams too say so I can help you I can add value this whole point of a hope group is not just talk about what went wrong but how to help add value to what's going right I just trade sob stories and talk about what happened in 1985 and you know all the same stories over no no it's to add value to my future through community. I know that everything I've ever accomplished has happened because other people came to help me day by day by day. And they kept coming for David until he had an army like the army of God, not the army of God, not the army of God, like the army of God. Because I want to tell you, this army is not made out of God. It's made out of people like the army of God. There's an army that God is putting together. Well, it's all God. Actually, it's all people. <laughs> I want you to just get that. Like the army of God. There's an army that God's putting together, but it's people to help you become the person that you're supposed to be. To live the life that you've been created to live. To fulfill the destiny that God has asked you to fulfill. And you need to, know your, in your, you need to live your life knowing, I know they're out there. Somewhere out there. I know they're there. Wouldn't it change your mind when you got rejected? Even if you've got no, 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 it's still okay because God has someone out there that's going to give you the yes. Even when you feel like, man, I am so alone. No, you're not. Day by day, you might feel alone right now because you won't commit to moving forward with anything real. But God is bringing that person day by day by day closer to you. And I want to flip it the other way too. Has it ever occurred to you that you're supposed to be committed to other people yourself? That your life isn't just about be about your fulfillment of your dreams and your aspirations and your purpose and your intention, but that part of your life is to help other people fulfill their dreams. Remember Joseph from week two? Help people fulfill their calling, to help people fulfill their destiny, that God might be actually moving you right now day by day by day so you could help somebody else and not just say, God, where's all my help? That you're supposed to keep your eyes open and your heart open because you're not in this alone and you're not simply here for yourself. You're in this because God is trying to help all of us move forward to be the person he's created us to be. There's a flip side to community. <laughs> if you just come to community to get and you never give, you're called an energy vampire instead of an energy empire. So in group, we're not just here to, like, help me, help me, help me. We're here to, like, I can help. I can help. I find the more help you give others, the more help you receive. The more love you give away, the more love you get. The more generous you are, the more generosity comes to you. Well, Pastor, I left my old church because I just couldn't find community. Okay, all right, okay. Nobody really cared about me. Okay, how long before you're telling the next person the same thing about Hope Church and Pastor Nate? So if that's the first thing you tell me, it's the first thing you tell your next pastor about Hope Church. Because you know what I've come to realize? People who can't find community here, it's not because they can't find community here or friends here. It's because they don't know how to find community, period. And I'm not just shedding responsibility. See, if you're here and you're like, I just can't make any friends. i like to propose the question, can you make friends anywhere? Like, could you make friends in high school or is it just a Hope Church problem? Did you make friends in college or was it just like a Hope Church problem? I like to gamble with you and say, if you can't make friends here, you can't make them anywhere. Because this is a really easy place to make friends. These people are really sweet. And let's just, let's just be really honest for a second. Everything here is, engaged, is leveraged towards your success. Because people have given their lives to live for Jesus, to love Jesus. They've just decided to be your friend, even if you're not friendly, and even if they don't know you, they've decided to love you anyways. This is the easy environment to make a friend. Everybody loves you. Everybody wants to add value to you. They care about what you're thinking. They want to see you do better than when you came in. And not because of you, because of Jesus doing something supernatural in their hearts. So you know what the church does? The church actually brings people together who would never be together. It causes people to care about people who would never care about people. It causes us to invest in people we would otherwise just ignore. If it wasn't for Jesus, we would probably never even see each other, much less care about each other. We would ignore each other. But now because what God has done in our life, because of who Jesus is, we're actually committed to a foreigner. We're actually committed to a stranger. We're actually committed to love our neighbor because of Christ changing us. And part of what creates a tribe is when you commit to each other first, which means you know you're not perfect, and you know they're not perfect, and you know you're never going to meet a perfect person, but you're still going to say, I'm going to engage in community that could hurt me, potentially, in order to add value and to be what somebody else needs. So as a pastor, instead of taking on all the responsibility of making sure that you make friends here at Hope Church, I'd rather help you learn how to be a friend. Well, how, How do I make everybody feel like everybody's their friend? That's a bad question. How do I make everybody be a better friend to other people? Because if you learn how to be a friend... You can take that everywhere you go. You can take that knowledge of how to be a friend in your workplace, your community, your neighborhood, and now you have a skill that you learned in community. If you know how to be a friend, you have exactly what you need to have a friend. I'll say it again. If you know how to be a friend, you know you have exactly what you need to have a friend. The Bible says in order to have friends, you must first show yourself friendly. That's a Proverbs point number 2 today is simple. To find great people, and to find real community, you must initiate conversation. So jump in and commit. Initiate conversation when you commit. I know it seems so simple, but I think it's worth saying because so many people talk, it's hard to talk to somebody who's not talking. It's like basic 101 life skills. You need to talk to communicate. You need to be vulnerable in order to get vitality flowing to you. We have all had that friend or been that friend who wants to ask them out, who wants to get in a relationship with somebody, but is so intimidated by their success. I mean, I'd love to go talk to you, but you're just so famous. I'd love to ask you out, but you're just so beautiful. I would love to be in your league, but I'm just so not in your league. And we say to our friend, I know one thing for sure, bro. If you don't go talk to her, if you don't initiate a conversation with him, honey, nothing is going to happen. You don't initiate conversation, you will never meet him. They will never like you. They will never be attracted. You can't move forward in anything in life if you're unwilling to initiate a conversation. (laughs) Well, I want a new job. Initiate a conversation. Apply for the job. Well, I'm dissatisfied with my current boss. If you never go apply with a different boss, you're never going to move. Well, this year I'm really working on my career. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna level up. But you don't talk to somebody who's a superior. You don't talk to somebody in a different department. You're never going to move, man. Quit being delusional. you got to initiate a conversation and fill out the paperwork. you got to ask for the loan in order to get rejected. you got to ask for the loan in order to get it. I don't know if you're going to get it or you're going to get rejected, but why not one thing for sure? If you don't ask and initiate conversation, the bank's not just going to hand you out money. That only happens in Monopoly because you landed on a chance or you got a really good community chest. You got to ask her out or else you're never going to be in relationship with her. Say something to somebody that matters. If you want greatness, you need to initiate conversation. That's the tricky thing about conversations. We always wait for somebody else to converse with us before we converse with them. In the foyer, after church, coming into church. We always wait for somebody to converse with us before we converse with them. Come to think of it, it's the same thing with our commitments. We always wait for somebody else to commit to us before we commit to them. So you have to decide, are you going to be the courageous one? You have to decide, are you going to be the more noble one? You have to decide, are you going to be the more mature one? Are you going to be the riskier one, the more vulnerable one? Because that's the one who converses and commits before the other person does. I want to be surrounded by confident, secure people who are ready to initiate love. Initiate conversation. Ready to lead well. But don't always need coaxing and coaching and pulling like teeth. Just to get words to come. Don't always need you to be the safest person in the world. To understand that you can be vulnerable. Like, just let go of safety. And allow people to see you you'll get so much further faster in life. It's frustrating when you're around a whole bunch of insecure people and you just want people to be free. Just be free. Verse 22, David had men who committed to him day by day, committed to David's success. Here's the thing, they committed to David without any promise of their own success. Who's leading in that relationship? Those men are. Submitting themselves to his leadership, to his name, and say, we're committing to David without any promise of success without any promise of being taken care of, without any promise of victory in our future. Committed, and they became like God's army. They came to David to turn Saul's kingdom over to him. That's crazy, right? So when you see God working in someone else's life like it was in David's, you need to lean in and help that person move forward. That's part of what we do together. You can be that straw that breaks that camel's back that's always used as a negative metaphor and you can turn it into a positive one right here today. You can be the last person who believes in that person. You can be the last person who invests in that person. You can be the last person who supports that person, who encourages that person, who moves them forward into the future they've always longed for. Break the camel's back for somebody. And when I was reading this, I started to think about Jesus and how he called his early disciples. So in John chapter 1, I want you to watch the early formation of Jesus' tribe. I love how Jesus opened this whole thing up. John writes in verse 35, The next day John, not John the person writing the, the, the gospel, but John the Baptist, the next day John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples, his followers. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, disciples, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. I wonder how John felt about that. I got followers, people follow me, they unfollow, and they start to follow Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following. I think it was the purpose of his life, so he's excited about it. But turning around, Jesus saw them following and initiated a conversation. You know why? Because love always leads. Initiated a conversation asking, what do you want? That's a funny way to ask. I'm going to start recruiting today. What do you want? I'm going to start winning people to this movement I'm about to create and change the world in about three years together. What do you want? They said, teacher, where are you staying? Where are you going to end up at the end of the day? You know? And he invited them. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying. And they spent a day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that what John had said and had followed Jesus. So he was one of John's disciples, and now Andrew, the son of Simon Peter, or the brother of Simon Peter, the first thing Andrew did, I love how it says that in verse 41, and the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, Cephas, which is translated Peter, okay? Can you imagine being Andrew? You're following John, you're trying to connect to God, you're trying to find your way to life to the fullest, and then your leader, John, points to Jesus, and he says, there he is, that's what you're looking for, and so Andrew follows Jesus, and it's awkward because Jesus is like, lurk much? Like just watching me and wondering where I'm going to land tonight? Well, actually, says, what do you want with me? You know, what is this? What what are you doing back there? It's weird, it's awkward. What do you want with me? And Andrew just says, well, I want to know where you're going to be going, so I can just You know, like, be there in your vicinity. You're the Lamb of God, apparently. So, And Jesus is like, well, don't make it weird. Just come up here and follow me. Like, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Follow me. I don't like you just lurking back there. And the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon. See, when you find your tribe, when you find life to the fullest, the way you build the tribe is not to assume that everyone who's supposed to be in your tribe is already in your tribe. That all the cute Christians are not... Like waiting for you to fulfill and complete the tribe for the rest of your lives. So you're happy in your circle. Because if you're only looking for people who have it all together, or believe what you believe, or look like what you look like, or think like you think, you're not understanding how God wants to build his church. Oh man, finally I found my circle. I found my people. I found my tribe. But if you all look the same, there's something wrong. If you all think the same, there's something wrong. If you all have the same political views, there's something wrong. If you all think the same way about education, there's something wrong. I love it because he's like, I just found what I'm looking for, but it's not complete with me. So Andrew meets Jesus. He starts following Jesus. He goes after his brother Simon. He says, I found the one that we're, we're looking for. I know he doesn't work for you yet, but he's working for me. And I want you to experience what I'm experiencing with Jesus. I've spent one day with him, but it's changing my reality. We found the one that we're looking for, man. And you don't know if it's Jesus. You don't think he's the Messiah. And then Simon comes and says, Jesus says to Simon, you're no longer Simon. You're now Peter. You're the rock. And if I were Andrew, I'd be a little bit irritated. Hey, I was here first. Remember the lurking guy? I followed you first. You're welcome for building your community. You're welcome for building your team. You're welcome for bringing people today. This is my brother. I brought him. I was here first. I connected him to your tribe. What's my nickname? You just gave the new guy a nickname. He's my brother. And Jesus is like, oh, you have a new name. You're now Peter's brother. (laughs) I mean, that's what it says. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. I mean, how would you like to spend the rest of your entire life? Oh, that's Simon. He's Peter. He's the rock. He's Dwayne Johnson. I mean, the guy is amazing. That's Peter. It's his nickname. Oh, me? I'm just Simon Peter's brother. I got here first, I introduced the two of them. My nickname is Simon Peter's brother. That's my new name. You know, you know what I noticed? One of the patterns in the scriptures is that when a person found life in Jesus, their instantaneous response was to bring someone else to that life. So when you find your tribe, you do not only jump in, can, can commit, come on. Yes, you gotta bring, bring somebody, bring somebody. I wanna tell you, when you find your tribe, you don't just jump in and commit. I'm leaving John and I'm following Jesus. Success. And you don't only initiate conversation. Where are you going, Jesus? I want to be where you are. But lastly, point number three, you invite to connect others to Jesus. You invite to connect. You invite to connect. Why do I invite? To connect these two people who will be perfect for each other. Peter, you're just right for Jesus. Jesus, you're just right for Peter. You guys will love each other so much. It's going to be insanely good. We found what we're looking for. It's the Christ. It's the Messiah. the you're going to be perfect for each other. And you invite others to connect to the tribe as well. You invite, because when you find your tribe, when you find great people, when you find the life that you're searching for, when you've connected to the God who's given you hope and meaning and joy and peace and life, you don't keep it to yourself. You don't envy, here it is, and you don't envy what God is doing in somebody else's life through you, through your connection. Well, I invited my friend to church, and now everybody at church likes my friend more than they like me. You know what I'm saying? No, no, I'm excited for your life connection beyond me being a part of your story. I'm not the center of your connection to Jesus. You connecting to Jesus is the point, not me in the middle. Even if they got a cooler name than you. Even if they seem more like than you. Even if they get connected faster than you did. No, I want to see, I want you to see this pattern doesn't just happen once. It goes on in verse 43, where Jesus seemingly ignores the connector and, and, and like, worships the one being connected. I want you to watch this. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to Philip, follow me. Philip's like, wow, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him. Do you see how it's spreading? You see how this thing works? We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, Nathaniel asked, can anything come from Nazareth good? Can anything good come from nowhere? Everybody just makes fun of Nazareth. It's like being born in Addison. Everybody knows what Addison, you know? Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? (laughs) I live in Addison, so I can can pick it up. Can anybody come from Nazareth and come and see? Said Philip, come and let me connect you. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Jesus is saying of Nathanael, not Philip, Nathanael, here truly is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. (laughs) How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you were still under a fig tree before Philip called you, before Philip connected you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Don't tell him, that, don't t- Philip, don't tell him. I said, nothing good comes from Nazareth. Jesus said, you believe because I told you and I saw you under a fig tree. You will see, I love this, greater things than that. Your life is tracking for greatness. You connect to Jesus, you're tracking for greatness. You're tracking to be among the stars you're tracking for greater things i love that you will see greater things than that great and greater things run in this tribe great and greater things run in jesus's tribe so now you're philip and you're following jesus And you're so overwhelmed by the fact that God has stopped all human history that you go and you find Nathanael and say, Come, come, I found what you're looking for. And Nathanael's not even open to it. He's kind of covered under a fig tree. He said, There's no way. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Philip has to drag Nathanael here. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't even talk about Philip. He doesn't even acknowledge that Philip's in the room. He doesn't say, Oh, good job, Philip. Way to find Nathanael under the fig tree with his head covered. No, he just starts talking to Nathaniel. Here's a man without deceit. See, if I'm Philip, I'm like, what about me? If I'm Andrew, I'm like, where's my nickname? You know, Philip's like, I got a little deceit, but I found Nathaniel. You know what I'm saying? Look at Nathaniel, he's without deceit. And Philip's like, I'm a little tricky, I'm a little deceptive, but what about me? The only reason you two are connecting is because of me my connections are building your tribe, Jesus. You're welcome. You're welcome. Over here. And Jesus looks past the connected again to reach the unconnected. And Jesus looks past the connected again to reach the unconnected. You ever feel like this church just worships unconnected people? ever feel like God just keeps overlooking you to get to something else you just keep seeing someone else not seeing you or your value or how wonderful or hurting or needy you are so you know what I love about this movement that Jesus starts when a person finds life they're eager and even desperate to share desperate to share that life with other people to invite is not an insecure thing to invite is actually a natural part of encountering Jesus, becoming a part of his tribe. The invite, the connect is so natural. If you haven't written it down yet, invite to connect. Invite to connect. See, Philip didn't care that Jesus highlighted Nathaniel as a man without deceit. He celebrated the person he loved meeting the one who is love himself. Can we be like that, people of hope? See, Andrew wasn't, he never asked, where's my nickname? He was excited that they had such a strong connection. And Peter, his life is being changed. He's going from a reed to a rock. Andrew has never felt somehow short-changed because Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter because that's exactly what love does. It shares, it compels you to share it and to give it away to other people. Have you ever felt so overwhelmed by what Jesus has done in your life that you had to invite in order to connect? You had to invite, you had to tell somebody, you had to share with somebody. See, what I think happens a lot of times is we forget what Andrew and Philip and Nathaniel and Simon all knew. The human spirit is longing for connection to God. And the label you're putting on people is disinterested in God. You don't understand their spirit is longing to connect to God. And without the God who loves us, we are all broken. We are all fragmented. We are all so empty. And you need to say, I found my tribe. And you can find one too. You can find a tribe that doesn't push you down. That doesn't always have to do this. That will pull you forward. and Connect you to some life source that's higher than you. Don't just find it in here. Commit to the people in here. Commit to the people in these four walls. And then commit to the people out there and invite them. See, I'm committed to my church family. Are you committed to anybody outside of your church family? Open your life to the ones who are under a fig tree. Open your life to the Simons that are still searching and disconnected, looking for a Savior. If Jesus has given you hope, then open your life to share that hope with somebody else. If Jesus has given you meaning, let's share that meaning. We should not be isolated. We should not only have Christian friends. We should have people outside of our understanding, outside of our reach, that we're intentionally inviting in order to connect to Jesus. If Jesus has given you life, then share that life. Because if they don't see it in you, where will they ever see it at all? You know, jump in and commit. Initiate conversation. Join a hope group. Join an impact team. But don't stop there. Invite in order to connect. I want to close with this thought from Peter in First Peter chapter 2. This is the same Peter who was Simon, who's now the rock. Verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone, it's not incidental that Peter uses this metaphor in his writing since he's like the little stone. He's like, I'm the little stone. He's the living stone. You know what I'm saying? As you come to him, the living stone... Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also like living stones. Here's Peter saying, he called me the rock. He called me the stone. But I'm telling you, that's not just for me. It's your name too. You are all living stones. You are all the rock on which he will build his church. You are all living stones, fitly framed. Verse 5, he says, you also, this nickname is not exclusive to me, Andrew. You also, Andrew, are a living stone being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I've laid a stone in Zion, chosen a precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. In verse 9, he goes on, But you are a chosen people. That's community talk. You are a chosen community, a royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Here it is, verse 10. What's the burden of hope, church? Once you are disconnected. Once you are an orphan. Once you are not a community. Once you are not a tribe. Once you are not a people. But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And the dailies just keep flooding through my mind. I have received mercy. Such rich mercy. Such great mercy. Such undeserved value. Weight has been given to me day after day. Peter's saying, find your people. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God in 2022. Understand who your people are. Understand what God is doing when he brings you together and he makes you a people. And he fitly frames you with people. See, you've always been a person, but now we are people. We lose our individuality and become something spiritually greater than us by ourselves. Spiritually bigger than our story and our connecting significance. I connected him, and he connected him, and he, she connected her, and she, it's bigger. It builds a huge wall, house, because what we can do together is way more important and valuable than what we could ever build alone. And the way we move together, we find our tribe, and we commit our lives to each other. We know we're imperfect. We know we'll mess up. We know stones have flaws and niches and dings and ugh. Stones do not rub together great sometimes. We know we'll all mess up. We know we're going to let each other down. But we're going to keep committing our lives to each other. We're going to stay fitly framed in the struggle together. We're going to do the hard work of loving and living in community together. And we're going to open up our lives to other people. And our core theme is going to be invite to connect. Invite to connect. Invite, invite, invite. And then we need to build and invite because God is building us together. You also are like living stones that are being built. It's in there, Peter. That are being built into a spiritual house. Did you know? Do you know that you're being built in a spiritual house? Not by yourself not just self-development in 2022 self-development just makes you a brick but we're being built together we're not just a brick we're a brick house ever say house yeah that's old school you're not just a brick you're not some dumb brick you're a brick house god almighty lord almighty right she's a brick house there's something beautiful about coming together it's Song Solomon. It's all song. It's like um, he's talking about all the beautiful things of the individual parts of this woman, and he says at the very end, he talks about oh my gosh, all the things—her nips, her hips, her lips, her, her toes, her goes, everything she's got going on. And he said at the end of it, he says, "You are all together, lovely." See, all together, you're so much more than just one feature. You see what I'm saying? All together, you're a brick house. You're all more beautiful together than individually in your one little thing. It's like, oh my gosh, together you are brick house, baby. We're being built into a spiritual brick house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifice, acceptable to God through Christ. Why? Because the world desperately needs a place to call home. You know what orphans need? They need a home. You know what disconnected people need? They need a home. So brick by brick, God uses us to build the spiritual house so that people who are not a people can become a people. Those who have not known mercy can attain mercy, receive mercy. Those who have never had a place to belong finally have a place to belong, and they don't need to look like every other brick next to them. In order to belong. They can be individual, they can be unique, they can be themselves, but God will receive them and accept them and build something bigger with them than they could ever be in their own individuality. And I know that this imagery here is not about buildings and homes, it's about humans. But there's something greater that happens when we humans come together as a spiritual family, when we decide to commit, commit jump in with each other and commit to each other and then initiate conversations with each other and then invite to connect when we decide to open up our lives to the world and invite them to discover what we found in jesus when we decide to build together to build together a house so that people can have a home when we come together something beautiful happens love becomes tangible and you'll hear people like mike say these people accepted me for who i was it's not just one person. It's a people. Love becomes tangible when we come together. Acceptance becomes palatable when we come together. It's like, I can taste acceptance in this place. Community becomes real. We're not here to BS each other. And hallelujah, God is good all the time, brother. God is good all the time. We don't do that to each other. So come on, let's talk for real. When we come together, we become a people that are more critical than cliches, and more real than just right, and helping people where they're at. See, God didn't design you just to need God. God didn't design you just to need God. It's not just you and God. That was there in the beginning. It was just God and Adam. He said, no, 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 no. it's not enough. It's not good. I am not enough for you. Not just about you coming to church to relate to me and worship me. We worship and we walk all day long every day. He designed you. He designed me for us to need each other. It's not good that man be alone. Well, I'm not alone. I got God. You're alone. It's not good that man be alone. I'm not alone. I got God. You're alone. And when you find God, it doesn't make people less important in your life, it actually makes people more important in your life. Because I can tell you, I can see your future. Through your people. I can see your future through your tribe. And when we commit to each other, something happens bigger. When you get around people full of faith, you start getting full of faith. When you start living and committing to people who are full of hope, you start living full of hope. When you get around people who are full of joy, let me tell you, you get around people who enjoy life. You know how to laugh and relax. You know how to sing. You know how to celebrate. You know how to talk for real. You begin to laugh and sing and celebrate and converse about something that matters. Some of you, the healing that your soul needs is only going to come in community. It's only going to come through community, watching whole people be whole, saying, I could be free too. Because what you need is the room to overwhelm you with the good so it lifts you enough to take with you wherever you go. Come on, we want to be a part of a group. Anybody want to be a part of something bigger than themselves? Come on. Your path to greatness starts with the people that you choose. Today, could this be your tribe? Could this be your people? Could we be the people who unite together around something greater and see greater things happen in all of us as we serve each other and help each other through community?